Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is a football Friday. It's your boy Dan Cilio. Hope all are having a spectacular day. How could you not? Such great games are going to be played on Saturday. And, of course, in the National Football League, Week 10 is here. And we are going to look at all those games. Hey, by the way, God, thank you so much for the content this weekend. I am so going for Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson. It's like evil versus Mr. Do-Gooder. Holy cow, are they painted it this way. There he is, Russell Wilson. The media's golden child versus anti-vaxxer Aaron Rodgers. The devil. Oh, my God. He refuses. Oh, my God. I, I should go out. Hey, dear NFL shop, will you please allow me to buy a number 12 jersey? I am all over that, man. Anyway, we so hope you are having a great day. Thanks for everybody coming aboard with us right now. We got a lot to hit on. By the way, I'm going to do an impression. Before we get started, can I do an impression, please? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Like, like, like Howie Roseman has binoculars and he's like evaluating. Sam Howe last night and Kenny Pickett from, hey, yeah, thank you. Kenny Pickett from Pitt last night doing this. There he's going like this. They showed that stiff going like this. And, you know, I was going like, oh, man. Hey, this just in, Howie. I could give you a microscope and you still couldn't find the worm on the apple. Okay? (laughs) I don't care what you use. You are a horrible talent evaluator. You were not brought into the Philadelphia Eagles to evaluate talent. You were brought in as a capologist. By the way, I found that out. Howie Roseman is a general manager, first and foremost, was a capologist guy. That's what Bruce Allen was when he first got onto the scene in Oakland when he was working for Al Davis. It's basically like a bookworm all of a sudden becoming a director of player personnel and then becoming your general manager. Well, yes, you know, if you look at the metrics of a player here, you know, that's why those scouting combines are so important to some of these stiffs. These are the same dudes that walk into a weight room and go like this. Well, hell, that guy's a 700-pound bencher. Holy cow, that guy, look at look at him run in a 40-yard dash. Look at his... Look at his long jump. Holy cow, this guy's shuttle drill is off the charts. Yeah, but can he play, Howie? Can he play? Nobody gives a shit about that stuff. Nobody cares. The worst athletes in the history of the quarterback position are some of the greatest players to ever lace them up. Okay? I mean, Tom Brady. 
Worst 40-yard dash in the history of the combine. That's a fact for the quarterback position. So when you tell me, hey, did you see what Justin Fields did? Holy shit, this guy ran a 4-4. So, and? Hey, did you see what Jeff George did? What an arm on that guy. You know, so, and? Peyton Manning had no arm. Tom Brady had no arm. They said Montana couldn't throw the out pattern. They said Joe struggled with deep throws. Well, let me think. 11 and 2 is 13. There's 13 Super Bowls between the three guys that I named. Come on, man. Spotting a guy at a combine is the biggest joke going. Watching game film on a guy. I get a rule. Okay? It's called a 20-foot rule. You know what that means? All I need is 20 feet of film on you. I know if you could play or not. That's an old Fred Akers line. Former coach at Texas. I don't need to see 70 game films on you. You give me 20 feet of film, I'll let you know if this dude can play or not. That's all you need, really. Give me 20 feet of film. Take a look at it. Can the guy play or not? Simple. This guy's got fucking binoculars. Like he's actually going to spot talent. Hey, hey, Howie, are those the same binoculars that you've been building this team with? You might want a new pair of binoculars for Christmas. Okay? <laughs> you might want a new pair. All right. I'm going to get into a little bit of why and what he was doing there in Pittsburgh last night. But before we get going, thank you, guys. I can't tell you how I appreciate you coming aboard each and every single day. You know we do this a little bit different here. I talk to you guys. You guys bring in the content. I have content. We have a couple guests. By the way, we have a couple guests today. The legendary Tony Bruno will join us at the bottom of the hour. And we will talk to the legend and get his thoughts on numerous things. Tony's just not a sports guy. So we'll talk numerous things with our guy at the bottom of the hour. Also, in hour number two, our friend Howard Balzer from Sports Illustrated, Hall of Fame voter, will join us. We'll go around the NFL for week 10. Listen, guys, thank you so much again for coming aboard. And this is how it works, in case you're new to the program. And, guys, show the people that are new to the program how it's working and how we do things here, okay? When you come in, it's like, it's like a tip jar. Just hit the like button for me. That's all I'm asking you to do. Hit the like button. You have a great comment. We'll talk about it on the air. And we'll go back and forth. Like Smile here says this, Lamar let us down last night. Oh, you mean like Brady let down the Buccaneers last week? Or Dak let down the Cowboys against the Broncos? It happens, guys. Hey, this just in, dudes. Those, those dudes on the other side of the line of scrimmage are pretty good, too. This is the NFL. This is not playing in the Big 12 or in the SEC, or the sorry-ass Pac-12. This is the NFL. Guys are good. This just then, all right? These are the best of the best. So when you think a team sucks, okay, you know, their record sucks. But those guys are great on that side of the ball, too, guys. Eastside Monster, love you, too, man. Thank you so much. Ken, thank you, man. By the way, Ken, those are awesome uh, stuff that you post on my, my own personal YouTube. I thank you. Omar, thank you for coming aboard. You know why, Omar, we have the great energy? Because you fuel us. Simple. 
You guys fuel us. Okay? You do. Will the Beast. Eagles fan want to get rid of Jalen Hurts just to waste a first-round pick on Sam Darnold or a type of Sam Darnold. That's right, Eastside Monster. Hey, guess what? Let's go play 60. I tell people that all the time. Oh, you think you're better than me? You think you have a better team than me? Cool. Let's go play 60. Let's go find out. Let's go find out if you're better than me tonight. Last night, the Dolphins got the better of the Ravens. They played 60, and the Ravens were a little flat last night. No excuses, dude. Everybody's got to play 17 of these babies. All right, here's what I saw last night. Kenny Pickett. I was just talking to Xander about this. Sam Howe, too. There's not a dude in that NFL draft worth of shit coming out of the quarterback position. No fucking way am I going to sit here and in any way going to waste a top 10 pick. There is no way on the planet I'm doing that. No way. Absolutely not. Now, is that kid a second or third rounder? Probably. But a top 10 pick, you're overdrafting, which is a, it's a standard thing that happens with poor front offices. They overdraft positions. You ever, you ever wonder why the really great teams that draft at the bottom of the draft every year continually find guys at the bottom of the draft or second or third or fourth rounds. Why do you think those guys, like how about the years that the 49ers won all those Super Bowls with Bill Walsh and Carmen Policy and Ed DeBartolo owned the team? They always picked at the end of the draft because they were always in the NFC Championship game or they were always they were always in the Super Bowl winning them. Why do you think those guys rarely missed on their picks? You know why? They were value picks. Hey, Joey, appreciate it. They were value picks. You weren't going to overpay for a guy down there in the 28 area or the 30 area, and you weren't going to over-talent him. What people do is they panic at the quarterback position because, again, Xander goes like this, man, that kid Pickett's got a big arm. Who cares? I don't care if he's got a big arm. I care he's accurate. I care he knows where to throw the ball. I care he can take a snap from center. By the way, it's the only position. Get this, guys. It's the only position that I value the Wonderlick test. Only position. Because when you drop back, you've got to process that information within seconds. How many times do you see guys, one read, two read, and they're off? Man, you want a smart dude back there. And if he happens to be athletic, hey, man, that's just another notch in the old evaluation belt where this kid may have all the tools. Lamar Jackson's smart. Kyler Murray's smart. They're athletic. That's why these guys are special. Russell Wilson, smart, athletic. It starts with smarts. All of these great Patrick Mahomes. The problem with Mahomes is, is that Patrick is too much of a schoolyard player. And it's tough to put him in a structured offense, and that's why he's struggling with it right now a little bit. He's even saying he's struggling with it a bit. Kevin says the Steelers are gold standard of the NFL having a great front office. No question about it. 
No question about it. Joey B says, breaking news in Denver. Pat Shermer, the OC, is in COVID protocol and won't be calling plays on Sunday against Philly. That is a huge, that is a huge thing for Teddy Bridgewater. But Bridgewater's a, he is a professional. He'll be able to handle this. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I am a gigantic fan of Teddy Bridgewater. But guys, if any of you saw that game last night, guys, would you, would you waste the first round pick? Okay, Easy Money says, Matt Corral, gunslinger. Okay, do you think the Eagles need a gunslinger? Or do they need a quarterback that knows how to move the chains? Tom Brady's not a gunslinger. Peyton Manning's not a gunslinger. Okay? Guys like Jake Plummer, Matthew Stafford, those guys are gunslingers. Brett Favre. If you look back at Brett Favre's career, would you not say this? Underachieved. Yeah, but Danny had so many records. Great. I'd rather have rings. Dan Marino. Wow. Man, did he retire with so many records. Yeah, how about all them records now? I said this a long time ago when I was doing sports radio in South Florida. Those records are like love. They're fleeting. All he has now is a gold jacket. Those records are all gone. All gone. All you know of Dan Marino now, he's a Hall of Fame football player that never won a Super Bowl. When he retired from the game, out of sight, out of mind. If I asked a 25-year-old kid today who Dan Marino was, he'd probably say this to me. Did he wear a face mask? Dan Marino. These guys are old news, dude. Here, so here's where I'm going. There's not a guy who I saw last night in that Pitt-UNC game or a guy that we talked about yesterday that I would sit there and say, I'm going to take and put on my football team and put him over Jalen. I'll keep Jalen. If those are my options, okay, if those are my options, I am sticking with Jalen Hurts. Are you? Jason says Jalen Hurts, smart quarterback. Jason, amen. Think about this for a second, Jason. Joey B, appreciate it, brother. Thanks for coming in. Let me throw you this about why Jalen Hurts is a smart quarterback. He goes from the Bama system to the Lincoln-Riley system, and it was a seamless transition. Omar, think about that. Seamless transition. Bama, Lincoln-Riley goes in. First, he goes into the Doug Peterson offense. Then he has to learn a brand-new offense again with Nick Sirianni. Guys, think about that for a minute. Look at what Jalen Hurts has done over the last five years. Okay? He's learned and did learn the Bama system, the Oklahoma system, Doug Peterson system, Nick Sirianni system. That's four systems roughly in about five years of play. Four different coaches. So when you say to me, what's the upside for Jalen? He's had no stability in his career whatsoever. He's had no stability. Do you know that Peyton Manning, 
Had Tom Moore, the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis, for over a decade, nothing changed. Whether you had Jim Moore Sr. or you had Tony Dungy or you had Jim Caldwell or you had any of those guys, it didn't matter. But Peyton Manning had the same offensive coordinator and pretty much the same offensive line with Jeff Saturday, okay? Pretty much the first, the first 10 years in the first decade of his career. When you show up to work and you know that you – are being asked to do this. You know what the game plan looks like. I can't tell you that when you have that kind of stability, you know what's being asked to you when you show up to work every day? What a big deal that is. When you show up to work in some of these places that have knee-jerk reactions, it's always, how about this? It's always an unhealthy environment, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. You had a boss for a bunch of years, and all of a sudden that guy's no longer there. You got a new boss. Then they end up in a couple months moving him out. Before you know it, you got three bosses in the last six months. The department's in chaos because there's no way of doing things. That's what a lot of NFL teams and sports teams go through also, just like in business. That's why this, if you're going to move off of Jalen Hurts, you better make this guy be the guy. Okay? When you moved off of Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, really? Okay, well, you must have a lot. You must think there's more upside with Nick Sirianni as the head coach than you had with Doug Peterson, even though Doug won a Super Bowl. And get this. Do you know what Doug Peterson's ceiling was? A Super Bowl championship. You know what Nick Sirianni's ceiling is right now? Planting flowers. Okay? His signature win right now is Atlanta. Not looking all that bad, actually. It's Atlanta-Dallas this week. And I actually think Atlanta is going to give the Cowboys a game this week. It's going to lead me to a question here for you guys here in a second as well. By the way, bottom of the hour, the legendary Tony Bruno is going to join us. You know, when, when the Eagles play the Broncos on Sunday, you understand what you're going to be looking at with the two quarterbacks, right? You understand what you're going to be looking at. Teddy Bridgewater is the benchmark in this league for every team. And you're saying this. What do you mean, Sills? Isn't the benchmark somebody like Aaron Rodgers? No. The benchmark is Teddy Bridgewater. Why is that the benchmark in the NFL? Teddy's a heck of a player. But there's always this. Yeah, but can I win a Super Bowl? And is he the guy I want to be the face of my franchise? Man, he can look so good. I mean, I, I can promise you this. Matt Rule rules the day that they got rid of him. Because Bridgewater's better than Cam, and Bridgewater's better than Darnold. Okay? He, he, he's better than those guys. But he is that floor where you go like this. If Jalen outplays him, because I think these guys are the same. Bridgewater probably a little better because he's got more experience. He's been a pro bowler when he was in Minnesota. Okay? See, to me, you got to outperform Teddy. Joey says, Fangio not releasing who will call plays, but Mike Shula makes most uh, most uh, sense. 
Mike Shula is a former teammate of mine, Joey, when he was with the Buccaneers. He was a former Bama quarterback. He was my teammate in Tampa. Jason says, respect to the Steelers, but I want to keep Jalen. Look, if you're telling me that one of those guys in the draft, no way. No way I'm keeping Jalen Hurts. On pace for around 3,900 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing, 25 touchdowns passing, 91 quarterback rating. There's nobody in that draft that's going to give you that. There is nobody in that draft. I may be wrong, and by the way, you know what I do. If I turn out being wrong on it, I will come and have a come-to-Jesus conversation with you and say that, hey, man, that kid Pickett's great. I don't see it. I don't see it. I, and, 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 and Xander liked him. There's a lot to like about him. Remember something in college, though, friends. In college, they tell you where to throw the ball. In the NFL, you have to know where to throw the ball. It's on you. It's the complete difference in the game. So when you when you get to the line of scrimmage in college, you see those guys looking over there on the sidelines, and they've got those sheets up in the air like this, and they've got those fake calls over here on this side. They're telling you where to throw the ball. In the pros, when you walk to the line of scrimmage, first you spot the free safety. Then you have to spot what they're in. Are they in a wide nine or are they in a 43 or 34 to set your offensive blocking schemes? All of that has to be you. They give you a parameter on what to play. The quarterback's got to figure it out. That's why you get 25 seconds. By the time you do this, watch this. Okay. I spot the free safety. There's three seconds gone. I figure out what the line is. Better not move around a little bit or I'm going to have to reset the line blocking schemes. Zone blocking, man blocking. Is it a wide 9-7, Okay, man, man blocking. Then you got to talk to your tight end. Chip and release, stay in for max protection. Or do you have to audible out of all of that and then you're already now down to 10 seconds? It is hard to play that position. That's why when people keep telling me about college talent and I watch a kid go out there like I did last night, it's like a seven-on-seven. These kids know where to throw the ball because they've been told where to throw the ball. Quarterbacking in college football compared to quarterbacking in the NFL is night and day. Night and day. Javada, thank you so much. You're very cool, man. Thank you so much. That's really cool. I'm going to take a timeout. Let me, I'm going to throw a name at you on a potential trade of a quarterback that hasn't been mentioned yet to come to Philadelphia. We'll also talk Broncos and Eagles. Don't forget the legendary Tony Bruno is going to join us. Keep it right here on this Football Friday on the National Football Show.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. The National Football Show, your boy Dan Cilio here. Tony Bruno's going to join us in a few minutes. Get his thoughts on all the things going on in the world. I don't know if you guys are watching that Rittenhouse trial and what is going on in that case, but then you get an idiot like LeBron James posting something obnoxious about the kids' fake tears on the stand, this and that. It's not the point. It's not the point. There's an asshole that will back Jesse Smollett. Is that his name? And not even know the facts. Guess what, guys? I thought that guy shot two black kids. That's the way the media painted it to me. I don't even know how this thing turned into a racial trial. And I'm sitting there going like this. What? Crazy how the media is today. That's why I'm suspect of anything now that's going on. I'm suspect. How about this? I really have it now where, for me, I watch the news kind of with the sound down, just like I watch sports now with the sound down and the volume down. I think that's a heck of a name for a show, volume down. Because then you can make your own assessment, you can make your own judgment, you can get your own information. People today, you know what the internet has done? It's made us lazy because we don't do our own homework and we don't do the due diligence that we, we need and it takes 
to read stories. We're headline readers today. It's just crazy, man. I mean, we just read a headline that's sitting there on Twitter or something. And then guess what? At the end of the day, we'll sit there and we'll go by that headline, no matter what is under that headline. Sports, it's now becoming also part of, you know, the lamestream media and how they cover things. It's pretty remarkable, man. It, 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 journalism is clearly lost. Now, again, I've never been a journalist and I don't ever want to be considered one. I used to tell people when I first initially got into this, I'm not a journalist. I don't want to be a guy with covering both sides. I have an opinion. I'm more of an opinionist. Okay. That's what I am. I see something and I have an opinion on it. Okay. That's, that's all it is. And boy, by the way, at the end of the day, get this. All of us can have opinions, but we'll all shake hands, hit the like button, and we'll roll out of here. All right. I'm going to throw a name at you guys. What would you guys think about Howie putting up a trade package for Matt Ryan? How would you like Matt Ryan as a starting quarterback for the Eagles in 2022 and going forward, maybe the next five years? Would you want Matt Ryan? His football, his football team is five and four right now. He's been to a Super Bowl. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's a I, I think he's a I think he's a PA kid, right? Jason says no thanks. Well, Jason, if there's nobody in the draft. And you don't want to spend any of your assets, your 11 draft choices that you have. And you're not going to put your first round choices on the table. Do you truly think that a player of the caliber of a Russell Wilson is going to leave Seattle to take shit from Howie Roseman? You've got to convince me that Howie is going to be a salesman. Okay? All right? All right? Tell me. Tell me. Okay? You've got to make it very clear when you're going after Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson that you're willing to spend whatever it takes to put players around him. Hey, Aaron Rodgers had Mike McCarthy fired. Rodgers was right in the end to have McCarthy fired. Rodgers has won 33 of 40 games with Matt LaFleur as the quarterback. Okay? Of the quarterback, you know, and he was tired of Mike McCarthy. How are you going to convince What are these elite guys to want to leave their place and come and play in Philadelphia? What are you offering? I think that's a really great question. What are you offering? What are you offering Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, 
What are you offering these guys? How are you going to move the needle where Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson does this? Yeah, man. You know what? Yeah. I see it. Yeah. I can go there and play and work with Nick Sirianni. Would you have to fire the coach to land one of the – Jeremiah says money. Oh, you bet I do. 26, I read these comments every second. You're part of the content. By the way, 26, can you do me a favor? Please hit the like button. Mile High Hunter, appreciate you coming aboard. Ernest, Russ can be bought with an O-line, I think. I like that. I like that. Think about it for a second here, Ernest. I come to the line of scrimmage, right? Devontae Smith over here. I've got Dallas Goddard. Got a pretty good offensive line. Is that going to be enough to sell one of those free agents? Because like I said, what I saw last night in Pittsburgh, between Sam Howe and Kenny Pickett, as my friend Ice Cube would say, okay, and quoting the great movie, straight out of Compton, that ain't it. That ain't it. I love that movie, Straight Out of Compton. Thank you so much, 26. As a Falcons fan, I love your show, Dan. I hit the button as well. Dave, thank you, my friend. By the way, I think you guys have rolled into having yourself a pretty damn good-looking season. Kyle Pitts is panning out. That defense is starting to play a little better. They're running the football a lot better. I got to hand it to you, man. You're five and four. I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to have their handful. And I don't know if Vic Fangio, if he put a blueprint out there on how you beat the hell out of the Cowboys. But that game was not competitive last week. The Broncos beat them up physically. They just basically said, I'm tougher than you. Okay? 23-1. and one. Don't go older with quarterback. Go younger. You think the Buccaneers, if they followed that philosophy, they would have stayed with Jameis Winston, and they wouldn't have went with Tom Brady. 23-1. and one. So you would rather go with... Justin Fields over Aaron Rodgers or Zach Wilson over Russell Wilson? Really? Not me. This is about winning a Super Bowl today. This is not about a five-year plan. You know, it's funny. When, when, when the Eagles or any team in the NFL is selling you season ticket packages, they don't have it on there with a contingency. Hey, look, we're in a rebuild right now. So if you could, just understand that, you know what, we really appreciate your business and thank you very much. The tickets are still $375 a pop. So just know this, we're building. Nobody wants to hear that shit, man. The kid Williams from Oklahoma looks like he's a pretty good-looking football player, but I have to see a lot more. Jason, Justin Fields, I'm starting to say this about Justin in Chicago. The Chicago Bears are a organization that goes, in my opinion, right down the same avenue as the Jets. They will destroy any quarterback you bring in. Or you could have brought Trevor Lawrence in there. It didn't matter. All right. I got to show you guys something here. See this hat? This hat says the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. 
And the Florida Sports Hall of Fame, my friend, he was the MC of this event this past weekend. And everybody down there, all my friends, Wayne Hogan and all those dudes said the legendary Tony Bruno was just an absolute god as the MC there. And he joins us right now here on the National Football Show. Tony, you're a legend in Florida, man. I mean, it, you know what? It's just it, it's just everywhere you go, bro, you're just a legend, man. And they love well, you. Well, thank you, Dan. I'm sorry I'm a little late. I'm sorry I'm a little late. I'm helping my son came by today, and I'm helping him hook up a trailer here. You know, I'm a man about town. I can do it all. We can see this here. We got this trailer. We had to get the tires all straightened out. Now he's hooked up. So I had to help my son out. You know what I mean? Because when your son comes to your all the way to Jersey to find you in an RV, you got to help him out. So what do you? Is it a um? Is it a project that your son's working on now? Is it where? Because you're farmer no, Tony. My, my, my middle son Chris, he has like five trailers. He does Maui Wowie, which not Maui Wowie that you know a lot of guys smoke down in Miami Dade. You know what I'm talking about when they're hanging yeah, well, out? With yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Of course I do. You knew that. <laughs> no, it's 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 a it's a smoothie company, and he does great. He's got locations all over, and he just bought another trailer with another cart inside so i came to help him hook it up and pump up the tires and so he can get it back to delaware for the weekend fantastic tony let me ask you something and please i go to you because you are the man and you know all and i gotta say this i used to cover the eagles from thirty thousand feet now that i'm covering this kind of head on here and i'm in the room with these guys what the fuck is howie roseman doing as the gm of this team you're 21 million dollars under the salary cap You've got 11 draft choices. You turn around and hire a training wheels coach. you got another guy that looks like he's right out of uh, med school and Jonathan Gannon. There's no experience on this team. And there he is with the binoculars in Pittsburgh last night. I'm like, this guy's a rock star. I mean, Tony, you're $21 million under the cap in the midway point of the season. You're bullshitting your fans when you're telling them that you're building a championship. You're not. Am I off? I mean – this no. guy, I mean, he's winning as a businessman for, for the owner of the Eagles. But as an executive, when it comes to football, he's failing. Am I wrong? No, I totally agree with you, Dan. It's not personal. I don't – I like Jeffrey no. Lurie, Howie Rose. We, we don't – you know, we don't do the personal thing. But you look at the draft picks and you look at the guys they passed up, and they obviously love wide receivers. But when you look at the wide receivers now, obviously the guy they got last year from Alabama is, is legit. I mean, he's smallish, but he can get open – so there's no problem with the Heisman Trophy winner. But when you look at Jalen Rager and some of the other guys down the road and the guys they passed up on to take the receivers they did, smallish receivers, can't out-jump guys. You know, so I don't get it. And now they're getting a bunch of draft picks. And sort of like the Miami Dolphins did, you know, when they gutted the franchise. The Eagles didn't gut the franchise. They just got rid of their quarterback, made a trade, got a bunch of draft picks. And I know the sentiment in Philly is a lot of people don't think Howie Roseman should be allowed even to watch the draft let alone be in the war room pulling the trigger on more draft picks because they got some young players. But as you mentioned, the cap money, they're not going to go out and spend that now because this team's not going anywhere. So why bring in guys? You have to decide who you want to keep. They got rid of Zach Ertz. They have to re-up Dallas Goddard. So, so they got some good players that they should keep, but they're also in a situation where they got to, they've got to add more, more talent. And the talent is, is not good enough in this NFC East where the Cowboys are getting better, Washington's getting better, even the Giants, who all looked horrible. I mean, I think the Giants may move ahead of the Eagles when all is said and done by the end of the year because they seem, with all their injuries, seem to be getting their act together here at the midway point of the season. 
Tone, do you think that they've put too much on the table of Jalen Hurts? I'm going to throw some numbers that he's projected on. He's projected on almost 4,000 passing yards, 1,000 rushing yards, 25 touchdowns to seven picks, 62 completion percentage, which is kind of – you want it a little higher than that. 91 quarterback rating for a guy that's only started like 12 or 13 ball games. There's not a guy in the draft. I didn't see a dude last night that I would sit there and waste first-round drafts uh, draft picks on. I mean, how do you feel about Jalen? I, I mean, for what he's got around him, I mean, I think he's pretty. I think he's been like their MVP at the halfway mark of the season. He's played pretty well when you look at those numbers and where he's trending. No, I totally agree with you, Dan. And it's all on his shoulders, and he feels it. And you know, again, you mentioned it at the beginning. You bring in a new coaching staff with a, a head coach who's never been on off, never been a head coach. You know, he he he's he's the head coach, and he. And he calls the plays. And I know they have a, uh, an offensive coordinator by name. Their defensive coordinator has never been an assistant coach in the NFL with the pedigree of calling defenses. So these guys are learning on the go. But Philly, you know, the fans there, they don't want to do a rebuild. When, when, when Jalen Hurts was drafted and he played at the end last year and they handed him the keys, Jalen Hurts is the franchise guy now. But I think they're going to determine at the end of the year whether or not he is because there's a lot of young quarterbacks out there who are struggling. We're seeing it go on. I think Jalen Hurts is doing a fine job with what he has to work with. You know, his offensive line is a little more stabilized now. But the play calling and the not wanting to run the football and never making adjustments in game, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, fans who watch the game know what's going on here. They always come out slow, and then they just can't make adjustments in every game that they play. Now, obviously, they won a game against an inferior Detroit team, and they housed them. But now they're going up to Denver this weekend. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't, I have no idea from week to week what Eagle team is going to show up and whether they're going to play well on offense or defense or special teams. That's the unknown quantity here. And usually by the halfway point of the season, you should have an idea, even with the new coaching staff, of what's going on with the franchise. Couple last questions here for you, Tony. I got this Aaron Rodgers thing here, and here's my problem with this story here. Okay, vaccinated, unvaccinated, I really don't give a shit what your decision is. That's your own personal decision on where you want to go in your life. My problem is with the NFL, Tony. My problem is with this. Why are you making the vaccination status of players public and knowing mm-hmm. what the formats are and knowing what the parameters are that the vaccinated guys have to go through and the unvaccinated guys? You're really pseudo-telling the media people which people aren't vaccinated and which people aren't vaccinated. And then the media sits there and beats the shit out of them, Tony, because, again, you pick a side of the liberal media is going to go after guys like Rogers. That's my bitch about the whole thing. How do you see it like that? Well, there are a lot of unvaccinated guys in the NFL. Like Carson Wentz, he wears a mask after the game. And obviously, they don't have a problem in Indianapolis with their quarterback who's been playing well. To me, you're seeing what's happening. The Minnesota Vikings have players now who are vaccinated. When vaccinated players are getting the virus and it's spreading through the locker room, how can you just blame it on the unvaccinated? I'm vaccinated. I got vaccinated, so I'm not one of these radical, I don't believe in the vaccines. But I had bad after effects, side effects from the vaccine. My second shot, I've been in and out of the hospital for two months. Luckily, I'm starting to feel better finally, and I didn't die. And I know that's important. Being in hospitals and having all these tests because the vaccine doesn't work the same on everybody. And the the Aaron Rodgers obsession is absurd. He had guys on his own team, coaching staff guys who were tested positive and and had to sit out. And he went out there and played. So they went out there and played without him. And Jordan Love showed that he's not really an NFL quarterback. So 
I don't know. That the, the point is, they need Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers went through that n- nonsense last year, and a lot of people were down on him. You know, but when you have the power, it's anyway, in any business, if you're, if you're too big for the company to punish you because they need you, you're going to get away with the little things. It happens in all walks of life. And I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is getting away with anything, but when the team, you know, drafted Jordan Love, he took that as personal. But Jordan Love hasn't played, and now you saw him play, and it was one game. But does he look like he's the heir apparent in Green Bay? No. So I think when you have a talent like that, and Aaron Rodgers or other players, you don't you don't let them get away with everything. But you got to cut them some slack. And to go after your franchise player, one of the greatest players in your franchise history, to go after him and have the media come after him, it's just absurd. It's absurd. He missed one game, and they're going to fine him. So I, I don't understand what the outrage is when there's players all over the league who are vaccinated and are getting COVID and are being put on list. The Minnesota Vikings have like five guys on the COVID list this weekend. Are they calling out all the other guys in the team who got COVID? No, they get put on a list. They miss a game. They get tested, and then they go back in and play. It's absurd. Tone here, finally here. You know, and absolutely – just dead on. Like you said, I'm not anti-vax too, but what I am is putting people's personal decisions and yep. your personal medical history out there for people to debate. Tone, I say this to you, man. I mean, do you think as a media person that you should be asking a player or anybody, even in politics, Tony, what your vaccination status is? If you're calling yourself a journal, I'm not a journalist. I am a sports personality, so and I, I don't want to be called a journalist. I'm not one, but there's people out there that masquerade as one. Do you think that journalists and reporters and people should be asking these athletes um, what your vaccination status is? Absolutely not. Absolutely. It's not their business. Do you ask a, an overweight sports writer who's in the locker room who never played it down in their life uh, whether, you know, hey, do you have diabetes? You know, you look like you could be in that comorbidity thing have you thought about losing some weight and mixing in a salad when you're gorging down on free cheeseburgers in the press lounge no because it's none of their business what the writer does it's none of their business what the players do all they should do is report on the team watch the game write a column again i don't tell people what to do or say you can do whatever you want but we live in an era now dan and it bothers me the most because that's what i go after on twitter i don't go after the idiots on twitter who come after me because they disagree with me people disagree with me that's fine I go after the media people pretending that they're this higher authority and higher power when they don't know crap about these people and their lives and playing God because your fellow woke sports writers are doing it is a joke. I mean, it's embarrassing. You have make your own opinion. Watch the games. You can write a column about Aaron Rodgers and how you feel. But who gives a crap how you feel about vaccinated or unvaccinated people who made you a doctor? And that's the thing. I don't I don't comment on people's vaccination status. I don't I don't I don't I, I saw a cardiologist who was really anti unvaccinated people just died uh, after getting his fourth covid shot. I'm not going to celebrate his death because he was he was calling out people who were dying who were unvaccinated. But that's the problem. The unvaccinated people who die, they're all of a sudden bad people and deserve to die. But the vaccinated people who are dying and having major side effects. No problem. To me, I don't have a problem with either one. I don't want anybody to die. But I'm not going to have somebody tell me that if you're if you're unvaccinated, that you're evil and that you should be put in a cage somewhere and put on a leper colony. That I've never seen in my 69 years on Earth, Dan, I've never seen anything as ridiculous and divisive as this vaccine card. And I can't wait till it's over. The problem is it's probably not going to be over 
because they don't want to keep dragging this on and on and on and on and on because, you know, the government and Pfizer and all these drug companies and the media, they're all in the same boat here. They don't want this to end. Meanwhile, we, the stadiums are full every weekend. Fans are getting back to their normal. I was in Miami walking around, land of the free, home of the brave. That's what people want. They don't want to be sitting in restaurants in masks. Yeah, you put it on on the airplane. That's what I did. I do what they tell me to do on an airplane or when I'm in a crowded room or there's sick people around. But I'm not going to have anybody tell me that, that what I should do with my body, what I should do with anything else in my life, because it's none of your damn business. It is an outrage. And I will say this to you, Tony. Um, I have one last thing to tell you. How, okay, Howard Eskin believes that the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock was his creation and not your creation. I, I would like you to report this or not, just to make it even here, because I have him on every now and then. Who is the godfather of the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock? Well, Howard and I are great friends. We go back. We, our careers pretty much started at the same time. So I love Howard. And Howard's great at what he does. And he's a legend in Philly. But there's no way he originated the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks. I, I was the first guy that said it on radio. And Howard wasn't even on radio when I was on radio talking about Stone Cold Locks. So, again, I don't have a copyright. I'm not going to sue the guy. He could, he could say, Mike and Mike, when I work with Mike Golick on the morning show at ESPN, we did Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks. And guess what? When I left, they continued to call it Stone Cold Lead. Am I going crazy and suing ESPN because they're using one of my catchphrases or one of the things that I say? So it's not a big deal to me. If Howard wants to take credit for it, go, God bless him. If he needs that kind of affirmation at this stage of his career where the guy's 69 years old, just like I am, then God bless him, man. I don't really care, but I'm going to call him Stone Cold Locks, and I'm going to do it on, on, on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time when I get together as I do every Sunday for the original Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks with the legend himself, the Philly Godfather. You know the Philly Godfather, Dan, legendary. So he and I get together every Sunday morning, and we release them. Stone Cold Lead Pipe NFL Locks. I will be watching, my friend. I love you. <laughs> Go back to helping your son. Thank you so much. And, Tony, hey, by the way, I'm so happy to see that you're back healthy again, and I knew there was something wrong. And I'm so you know how I feel about you, brother. I love the shit out of you, man. I'll catch up with you later, Tony. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, Dan, and all the Kane fans down there, Kane Nation. You know, hanging out smoking cigars the other night with Hall of Famers and all the Hurricane fans. They know, they remember Sills, they remember <laughs> Big Sills. And we and 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 Ed Reed said. He's taking over down there. He, there's no way the University of Miami should go 20 years between national championships, Dan. No Ridiculous. way. Ridiculous. FSU Miami this weekend too, Tony. And it was a great, 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 great football player. Thank you, T. All right, Dan. Take care. You got it. That's my friend Tony Bruno. We'll take a quick timeout. Back to you. Keep it right here on the National Football Show.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doctor. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back. National Football Show. Love talking to you. an outrage funny my boy xander goes sills let's try to keep you you can always tell too because xander knows between me and tony bruno anything could be said anything and things in the past between both of us have been said that's what separates that dude and me from you guys not you guys but the dudes that are in my business that go, oh, Xander, <laughs> Xander, you know he's going to say something or do something. Thank God, my boy. <laughs> my boy Xander, though, man. Sills, let's just try to keep it on the Amtrak tracks. You know what I mean here? That's what I love about anybody. Guess you know what, man? Those are the kind of guests I love. You just don't know what they're going to say. And he's right about Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, Tony's vaccinated. Tony's vaccinated. I was disappointed that he got sick on the second one, though. Again, I'm not going to play doctor here. I don't have to worry about it. But that's that's one of the reasons I love the guy. Stone cold lead pipe locks. Yeah, he and I were the first two people hired in the history of Fox sports radio. 
See, that's back in the day when you used to be able to do a show. Now you can't. You got to have all these little guardrails and training wheels on to do a radio show. Sucks completely. That's why Joe Rogan and Adam Caroli are destroying people right now. And that's why all the advertisers jump on them because, okay, it's compelling content. It's good content. You know why it's good content? Because they say whatever's on their fucking mind. I'm just sitting around looking around going like this. Now nah, there's parameters. Everybody knows we work in the liberal media. So you got to kind of like lie a little bit or be creative. Seriously. You see what liberal media people want you to do if you're going to be kind of a conservative in the way that you talk? Just manipulate your content a little so that it fits with a liberal platform and we'll let you do it. That's that's what you have to do today. Okay? You have to know the game. Some people don't know the game. And, you know, those are the people that pretend that their egos are bigger than the game. Just like in the NFL, ask Colin Kaepernick, don't replace your fucking ass in a minute. Think the NFL gives a shit who you are? You better be somebody like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady for them to give a shit. You're Colin Kaepernick. You're Tim Tebow. You're any one of these other dudes. Flee on a back of a pig's ass. Nobody cares. Nobody. Man, you guys have some problem in Philly. I hate to do this to you guys. I really do. But guys, guess what, man? Your problem's not going to fix itself. Okay? It's not because Tony even just said it too. Bro, you're, you're GM, man. He, watch this. I'll say this to you. Of all the people that are in the NFL today, Howie Roseman's probably the best general manager in the league. I know I had to wipe it off a little bit here. Hang on. I had to wipe it off here a little bit. I just vomited in my own mouth. But Howie's the best general manager in the NFL today. Why am I saying that? He saves the owner money. He bullshits you. He's a rock star on draft day. Howie's in the booth with binoculars on. <laughs> that was some scene. That was some scene. That was some scene watching him with those binoculars. Was he watching, like, the cheerleaders on the sideline? That's what I'd be doing with the binoculars. Holy shit, she's got great legs. Look at her. Maron to me. Oi. That's what, oh yeah, there's a quarterback over here. Well, he looks like a third rounder. I already know this. Where's that cheerleader on the pit squad? There she is. <laughs> binoculars. You need binoculars to watch a kid? You gotta be kidding me, correct? Dude, it's a show, man. I don't want to know who the fuck my GM is. I don't want to know any of that. 
I don't want my GM being a bigger star in my building than my head coach. Nick Sirianni is the equivalent of Mike McCarthy in Dallas. The only difference, though, is Mike's got a Super Bowl ring. And that's probably the only reason he's the head coach of the Cowboys. Yeah, watch out, Eddie, on the Oive. In some places, they don't like that being said. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, man. Somebody got mad at me one time when I was doing radio in South Florida. And I said, oy vey, and I'm like this, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, so this weekend, Jalen versus Teddy. Man, I so hope Jalen outplays Teddy Bridgewater. I really do, man. Mike P with a damn good comment here. Could you see John Gruden coming out, coming to Philly? John Gruden coaching the Eagles. I'm in. Hey, if Joe Biden can call Satchel Plage a Negro at Veterans Day at the Unknown Soldier yesterday, what a disgrace that was. Really, dude? Really? You use that word still? There's something wrong with that guy. John Gruden, head coach of the Eagles. I don't know why. Hey, I don't know why I like that. (laughs) Joey B says Gruden would sell out every game. Oh, my God. Could you imagine John Gruden, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Man, would I sign up for that? Hey, Carl says how he needs to go back to being equipment manager. All right, I'm going to tell you who I'm going to take in this Eagles-Broncos game. I'm going to tell you how close it is. I'm going to tell you what they have to do to try to get this win. We got a whole bunch of stuff to hit on, too. Howard Balzer, we'll go around week 10 of the National Football League. That'll be at the bottom of our number two. You keep it pinned right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doctor, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back. National Football Show. Your boy Dan Cilio here on a football Friday. John Gruden to the Eagles as your head football coach. What would be the backlash? Wait a minute. I got one for you. What would you rather eat as a media issue? Deshaun Deshaun Watson's rape cases or a couple shitty emails from John Gruden? Ken, thank you, brother. Thank you. What What would be... What would be the issue here for you? that you'd have a tougher time with rape cases or some shitty emails. Isn't that funny? Deshaun Watson's in the league and John Gruden's out of the league for shitty emails and some racy comments. Hmm. So you can rape a woman allegedly And you can still make your $38 million. You can be in a conversation to be traded. But if you have emails that were found by your own league that you work for, who threw those out there into the public, for whatever reason, the NFL did this. The NFL did this, too. To smear John Gruden... Why, and I still can't get my head wrapped around that, why they would do that. This was a league investigation. John Gruden is been smeared by the NFL. His own actions, too. No getting around those crappy-ass emails. Can't talk like that, dude. 
But then again, the president of the United States called Satchel Paige a Negro today. Or yesterday, excuse me, Thursday. At the tomb of the unknown soldier. So why is it okay for Joe Biden to do it, but John Gruden does it? John Gruden is thrown out of the NFL, but we just give senile Joe an old pass here. Man, we live in a crazy time. Okay? I couldn't believe he made reference to Satchel Page on Veterans Day. I, I, I could not. I could not believe that. Use the word Negro. I don't think I've ever used that word to describe anybody on the planet. John Gruden's out of the league, though. Just saying, Mike and Mike, again, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out. See, then again, there are no guardrails in this conversation, just like in the vaccination conversation. So that's why my boy Xander's right. You know why? When you go down these lanes, dude, end of the day here, man, you know what? You know, quite frankly, guess what, dude? There's no end and off-ramp to these conversations. So why bring them up? He's re- Xander's right. Why bring these up? Okay, why bring them up? There's no, there's no, there's no debating this stuff. So yeah, John Gruden, would I love to have him as my head football coach? You're fucking right, I would. I know John. Would John be great in Philly? He'd be sensational in Philly. But you can't have a guy writing crappy emails, but you can have the President of the United States dropping a reference on Negroes. Okay, but that's okay. Or a guy who's accused of rape of 23 different women. Allegedly. Okay. That's, hey, I'll tolerate that. I'll tolerate that. Oh. He's it's only allegedly silly. Oh, let's get your shit right here. And old Joe, he didn't mean anything by it. You don't really think Joe's a racist. No, I don't. I just think he doesn't know what he's saying sometimes. And I think Joe is, what do they call that thing? He's a product of that white privilege thing that you guys talk about all the time because that's his verbiage. It's funny. No Americans today talk like that, except guys from his era. Nobody talks like that. Nobody uses the reference Negro. Jesus, criminy. What do you think? We're back in the 30s? Nobody talks like that. It's so insulting, too. All my friends that I grew up with and all my friends that I played with, that's so insulting. That You know what? To me, that word Negro is probably more insulting than any word you could probably use because it's such a stereotype. It's like calling an Italian a guinea or something or an Irishman a mick. Those are all so stupid. Let's move on. I'm sorry. Apologize because Xander's right. There's nowhere to go with that. I just, I guess the conversation with John Gruden. Yeah. Look at, look, look, hey, East Candom. I'll take Gruden over Siani. Siriani in a heartbeat. <laughs> Right? Hey, look, we have a really good chance here. The NFL's front office and people on Park Avenue's head would spin. And for the record, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, they don't have the balls to do something like that. They don't have the balls to do that. That's somebody, 
That's something like Al Davis or Jerry Jones would do. That's not something that the owner of the Eagles is going to do. He's got no balls because he shows it every day when he talks about the fact that he doesn't spend any money. And then he turns around and tells you this. Hey, we're trying to win. No, you're not, dog. (laughs) Wow, 26 with a whammy. I'll take Jay Gruden over Sirianni. I actually think Jay Gruden is a good coach, and he is a dear friend of mine. Phillips says, what are the odds Gannon runs a soft defense on Sunday? Way to bring me back to center here, Phillip. I tease coming into this block. Eagles and Broncos, that's your Sunday appetite. Okay? Xander throws something up there at me. Love it. Way to go, Phillip. Put us all back on track here. Here's what goes down. Boy, I'll tell you, if you saw that game film, what they did to the Dallas Cowboys, and then you remember what the Eagles had done to them by the Dallas Cowboys, you may be in for a game. And you better have your chin strap on. You better have all your pads secured because that Bronco team has decided to do this. We're going to beat the shit out of people. This is going to be a physical football game. And you know what, folks? I think that matches up with the Eagles because if the Eagles keep their shit together, and they don't get soft in their play calling, and they act like they have been over the last couple weeks and they run the ball, this game will be a fourth-quarter game. If they start thinking that they're a pass-happy football team again and they start dropping back and they start doing those stupid-ass RPOs, they're going to get fucking hammered. Here's what I would do. My punter's going to get a lot of work this week. I don't give a shit. If my play calling leads me to on third and 10 running the ball, I'm going to do it. Because you know what that's going to do in the fourth quarter or the third quarter? That's going to give Jalen an opportunity to find Devontae Smith. Here's the problem with the philosophy of Nick Sirianni. They try to establish Devontae Smith early, and the other teams know he can't because he's not an accurate enough passer. You can't start targeting him right out of the gate because what does that do? One, two, three, kick. One, two, three, kick. You give the opposing team an opportunity for more sequences and more plays, and you're behind the numbers again. You're down 10. This is not a football team, the Eagles, that can play from behind. It's a garbage team. When they're behind, you see garbage yardage, you see garbage scores, you start to see all that shit. They've got to keep themselves in the game in the first and second quarter to make it a game. Hey, and when you go to Denver, let me put this here to you too. That's a thing. I've played in Denver twice. I have never in my life struggled more in my life with that altitude And I mean it. It's a thing. Cold. The thins, the air's thin. It's a thing. It's a home field advantage. It is a big deal, dude. So to me, run that fucker. Even if you've got a punt and it's third and ten, run the ball, man. Keep that clock going. Don't stop the clock. Don't give, because this is what the Broncos are going to do. The Broncos are not going to go out there and throw the ball 50 times. 
the Broncos are going to go out there and run that ball right down their throat. And that front seven better get their shit together because they're going to be tested by that Bronco team. That Bronco team found some magic last week. And after they got rid of Von Miller, that football team decided to go like this. We're going to go play some football. Jeffrey, did you like Gruden OC in Philadelphia? Yeah, and get this, Jeffrey. Um, Ray Rhodes hired him, a black coach. So Ray Rhodes is one of the absolute greatest dudes you can ever be around in your life. Remember that, Jeffrey? Ray Rhodes hired him. Ray Rhodes, former NFL Coach of the Year, hired John Gruden as the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I did. I was in the room when he was interviewing with Al Davis, and he was drawing the plays up to become the head coach of the Raiders. Ask Amy Trash, she'll tell you. I was in the room, part of the evaluation process that John Gruden got the job with the Raiders the first time. That's a true story. That's a true story. Al Ocasal was in the room, myself, Al Davis, Amy Trask, and John Gruden. And I sat in there. I didn't say anything. And then when everybody left, um, they asked me a question. They go like this, what would you make of John Gruden? And I went like this. He's got a very complex offensive uh, playbook. However, he fundamentally wants to spread you out right away. He's got five really key plays he likes. But what he does is he disguises a lot of his plays off of different alignments. And you've got to be a real cerebral guy. That's why if you ever notice any of the quarterbacks that John Gruden has had, they've never been rookies. They've always been guys that have been seasoned dudes. Tim Rattays, um, the uh, Chris Sims, or Brad Johnson, or uh, Rich Gannon. They've all been guys that understand, okay, that understand, okay, that it's the same play, but they're disguising it with just different alignments. Philip says this, I'm still sick to my stomach we didn't hire Deuce Daly. Philip, they're never hiring that guy. Why would they never hire a guy like that? Philip, ask yourself this. Why would they never hire a guy like Deuce Staley. Why do you think they would never hire him? They don't want a coach in that locker room to have more of the players backing them. You see, you know what the Eagles do to the locker room? They divide it. And what happens when you divide a house? It's not as strong when it comes to that personality at that head coaching position. They diminish the coach's autonomy in the locker room on purpose. It's a strategy. The players are not loyal to the coach. The players are loyal to Howie. And in that process, Howie's got the ear of the owner. You see, the head coach needs to have that. Jesus, man. You get Hey, here, this is what we used to think. This is what we used to think when Jimmy Johnson was in the locker room with us. Man, you better not piss that guy off. Let me, say, let me say this to you. There was a guy we drafted Jimmy's rookie year when we were in Dallas, and he was a tight end out of Clemson. 
Third round draft choice. They really like the kid. We're running these 16-110s. Jimmy had complete control of the Dallas Cowboys. This is in the 1-15 in year. Okay? This kid starts going like this. Coach, you got to ask my man. I got I to stop here. Jimmy blew up. You motherfucker. What do you mean you got asthma? Get the fuck out of here. There's the asthma field. He's pointing outside the facility. You go run your fucking 16-110 somewhere else because you're not fucking on this. He, he cut him. He turned around and looked at all of us, and I knew what the hell the deal was. Don't ever question that guy. You see this Jimmy Johnson that you guys see on TV now? <laughs> that ain't the guy I know. That, 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 that ain't the guy. And after he kicked that guy off the team, he we never saw him again. He turned and looked at all of us and said, 90% of you motherfuckers aren't going to be on this team. You better decide which ones want to stay and which ones don't. Because I don't care. We're going to win. And you know how he ran that team? Let me show you this. Tuesday's player's day off. Jimmy would bring in 20 free agents or guys who were cut and working them out to Cowboy Complex. You know, when, you, when you're, like, going through a regular season, Tuesday's usually your day off. And if you need any treatment, you show up to the facility, get a hot tub, get a rub down, whatever. You know, if it's, it's just whatever. You go in there and you work out. There's 20 dudes in there working out. Finally, someone asked Jimmy, Coach, why so many guys? He goes, we haven't won a fucking game yet. You think I'm happy with the guys we have in the building here? Hey, when I can replace your asses, I will. It went from 1 and 15, 20 guys. Then the next year it was 7 and 9. Went down to 10 guys. Then it went to 11 and 5. It went down to 5 guys. And they won the Super Bowl. The next year, it was one guy. Jimmy looked around everybody and said this, don't get comfortable just because I'm bringing one guy in every Tuesday. That's how he knew if he was happy with the roster or not. That's it, Smile. Look at Smile. Keith Jennings, baby. Look at you doing your homework. Look at you doing your homework, man. Look at that there. Way to go, Smile. You get a fucking star for the day, man. That's exactly who it was. Keith Jennings. I got asthma, coach. Jimmy goes, get your fucking ass out of here. Cut him. Cut him the next time. Then, then guys like Crawford and Ed Tutal Jones are coming to me, and I go like this. This dude's not fucking around, man. I won't be here. You won't be here. Told Tom Rafferty and Randy White. I said, hey, this guy does not care. He, he does not care. Hey, Dupree, I'll tell you what happened with him and the Dolphins. Wayne Huizinga got in the way. You want to hear the story on why Jimmy Johnson, he was 28 and 22, I think. You know, you want to know why he didn't have massive success there? I'll tell you exactly why. Many of you probably don't know this story. But Jimmy had put a package together. Um, that was going to trade Dan Marino back to Pittsburgh. Because remember, they had like Neil O'Donnell or somebody up there. 
And they basically said that, okay, uh, what would it take to get Dan Marino to finish out his career in Pittsburgh? They had a pretty good football team. By the way, Neil O'Donnell, they t- he went to the Super Bowl with uh, the Steelers with that group of guys that he had. Imagine if Marino was on that team. So Jimmy had orchestrated a deal to send Dan Marino to Pittsburgh. Bunch of draft choices. Would have got them out from under the cap. They were going to move that piece of shit Eric Green that they overpaid under Don Shula. And all of a sudden, Wayne Heisinga parachuted in and goes, we're not trading Dan Marino. And Jimmy goes like this. The guy doesn't believe in a running game. The only guy he ever had in his entire time in Miami that had 1,000 yards was some dude named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar out of UCLA. Marino had no interest in trying to develop a running attack. And Jimmy says, if you don't have any interest in running up, you know, the fact that we need to get a running game up, then I need to move from you. And that's what really started the relationship to go sour between Marino and Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy said, we're going to change the entire offense. Marino was like, why? We're third. Dan was kind of right. Dan was kind of right. Dude, we're third in the NFL. You want to change the offense? Why? But Jimmy knew you weren't going to win Super Bowls with his style of offense. Just chucking it down the field with Duper and Clayton. Okay, he knew. But the organization didn't want to do it. So guess what? Jimmy bowed out after that Jaguar game in the playoffs. And I knew right from that moment, I said, he'll never coach again. He'll never coach again. When Heisinga got in his way, the Dolphins were doomed. They were doomed. And it's pretty much carried over to Stephen Ross, too, because Stephen Ross gets in the way. He gets in the way of the uh, success of the Dolphins or the lack thereof. The Dolphins haven't been relevant since 84. Honestly, the Miami Dolphins haven't been relevant since 1984. A couple of years maybe with Marino, 85. Maybe it's 85. That's the Super Bowl they went to, yeah, when they uh, got to the Super Bowl against Montana and he blew their doorknobs off. Yeah, that's 85 was probably the last time the Dolphins were relevant. And in that time frame, they've had the Chad Penningtons of the world, the Cleo Lemons, all those nobodies, you know? But so they've gotten in the way, and Jimmy was in, in the process of moving all of that out of there. They were in salary cap hell. Jeffrey says, hated Jimmy Johnson with much respect, perfect coach for any team. Buddy Ryan, let me tell you something, a story about Buddy Ryan. You know, those guys used to have, you know, the body bag game and all that shit and all the bounties and such. Jimmy's first year, he went 1-15. and 15. You want to hear a story, though, where Buddy Ryan went across the field and told Jimmy Johnson? I'm, I, I, I kid you not, Jerome Brown told me the story. He went across the way and looked at Jimmy. Jimmy hadn't won a game yet. I think the Cowboys, I think we won a game against the Redskins that year. I think they missed the playoffs because we beat them. And they were like an 11-win, 10-win ball team, the Redskins. And we beat them. The 1-15 in team beat a 10-win Redskins team, I believe. Somebody checked me or fact-checked me on that. But I, 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 I think that first year, I think 89, I think the team we beat was Washington. And that team won 10 ball games. But Buddy Ryan went across the way and goes like this to Jimmy. Don't ever change what you're doing. You've got this program on the right track. 
he goes, I get game film and I'm watching all the shit you're doing. And I know you're going to turn this thing around. Jimmy was so defeated. He was so down. They were trying to get him to change from a 43 defense to a 34. He kept, no, no, no. We're going to stick to all that shit. That's, that's not what we're going to do. That's not what we're, we're not going to change shit. We're not going to do it. Guy ended up being responsible for winning three Super Bowls. I mean it, man. What a great, what a great coach. And I'm proud to have played for him and I'm proud to be one of his guys. All right. Yep, 89. Cowboys beat Skins 13 to 3. I hey, smile. I think that Redskins team, I think they were a 10-win ball team, if I'm not mistaken, too. I think they were a 10-win team that year, too. All right. I'm going to take a look at the rest of the NFL. Also, Howard Balzer's going to join us from Sports Illustrated. We'll do it all next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Basketball is part of how we grew up in this city. And every morning, IBEW Local 98 members take their best shot building this city, rescuing our community from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are, like the Hawks who will never die. Local 98 members love tradition. John Doctor. Business manager of Local 98 says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
Welcome back, National Football Show. Your boy Dan Silio. They were ten and six that year, huh? Okay. Yeah, I think our one in fifteen year when I was in Dallas. I think they, the year we beat the we beat the Redskins that year, and it was the only win. I think it kept them out of the playoffs that season as well, too. So absolutely there. All right. You, we, we're going to have some breaking news here a little bit here, too, and I'm so glad that Howard just texted me. Howard Balzer from Sports Illustrated, our NFL Hall of Fame insider, our voter, I should say. Uh, so explain to me what's going on with Chandler Jones. And by the way, then I'm going to follow up with you on this uh, taunting rule here because, again, um, just I know Mike Tomlin likes it and all, but tell everybody what just happened here to Chandler Jones. Well, this past Sunday, Dan, uh, Chandler Jones uh, broke the Cardinals' all-time sack record, uh, which had been held by Freddie Joe Nunn, uh, who started his career with the Cardinals in St. Louis. Uh, I was there when he was there. Then they moved to Phoenix. And so he had set the uh, Cardinals' sack record. After Chandler got five sacks in the season opener, he was only one half sack behind Freddie Joe Nunn. And he then went several games without a sack, missed two games while on the COVID list. And then one of the games, in fact, that he missed against Cleveland was the day after uh, Freddie unfortunately passed away at the age of only 59. Well, Sunday, Chandler Jones uh, comes back against the 49ers and gets a sack. And as he's coming off the field, he lifts his jersey. And underneath it, it has a tribute T-shirt to Freddie Joe Nunn and with the years that he lived and all that. And it said, RIP Freddie Joe Nunn. Well, today it came out that the NFL has fined Chandler Jones for a uniform violation for having that T-shirt, I guess, showing it. Obviously, if he hadn't showed it, no one would have known he was wearing it. But by showing it, they deem that a violation of the NFL uniform uh, policy. And for those that don't know, they have uniform police who walk around the field before the game as guys are in warmups. And if they see a guy wearing socks that aren't quite right or something here or there that isn't right, they'll tell them about it. And they say, correct it or you're going to get fined. So they probably didn't even know that Chandler had the t-shirt. And so he gets fined. And as it turns out, he gets fined $4,000 less for showing a t-shirt basically on TV for about five seconds he gets fined $4,000 less than Aaron Rodgers for repeated violations of the COVID protocols uh, during this season. So, (laughs) I mean, you just almost have to laugh. It's so absurd. And the first thought is, don't they realize, doesn't the league realize how petty and ridiculous they look when something like this occurs? And you know what it reminds me of, Dan? I don't remember what year this was. I could have looked it up, but uh, when Johnny Unitas passed Peyton away. Manning. Yeah. And when he passed away and Peyton Manning was with the Colts and he decided to honor Johnny Unitas by wearing black high tops in the Colts game that day. And there was the word that the league was going to fine Peyton Manning for that. Now, what I was told at the time was well, there was such an uproar about it that they decided not to fine him. And so they didn't find him for that. But as a, at least for now, Chandler Jones is fined for wearing a, a T-shirt under his jersey 
and showing it to the cameras as a tribute to a former player. And I know Freddie too, when um, he was on that Cardinals team in 86, when I went there and played in St. Louis. And I got to tell you, he's a tremendous sack guy. And I got to tell you, man, you, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, when, you know, the players are doing something in good faith, you're honoring our history. You're honoring the club's history. I mean, when you see things like that, it just infuriates me, Howard, because you know what, and this, and, and Howard, I know, kind of in a way what side you are with the vaccination, but I'm trying to tell and explain to people. So the NFL finds C.D. Lamb over $20,000, and he's right because we used to have something in our playbooks that says if your socks were down. Now, this was back in the 80s, so the money is not as big as it is today. But if your socks were down, it was like 25 bucks. If your shirt tail was out, it was like $75. So what they used to do is give us little bibs, and we would put them – connect him to our uh, our shirts so we wouldn't have our shirts untucked because he's right. There used to be guys going around and they used to go, where's well, $25? And you would get a bill or you would <laughs> see a doctor off your paychecks right. on Tuesday when you got your receipt. If you had direct deposit, you go, they took 50 bucks off because I didn't have the proper socks on and they weren't. So all of that's being, it, it, it just it just shows you here how they really like to tell you what the public wants to hear. But then, like you said, they're just like, they, they just don't have common sense here, Howard, right. and how that looks. So C.D. Lamb gets basically fined $20,000 for having the socks down, and Aaron Rodgers is fined basically $14,000 for a COVID violation, which could get a player sick or a coach sick, and God forbid, get somebody older in the more demographic where somebody could get sick, and they don't care about it. It's right. And, and, and look. with C.D. Lamb, with the uniform violations, if you, the first time it's a it's a fine, what, whatever the fine is. And then if you do it again, the fine goes up. It's even more the second time. And that's what happened with C.D. Lamb. Well, with Aaron Rodgers, we don't even know what the fine was for. We know that there were repeated violations for not wearing a mask at press conferences that were in the facility and other things. We believe that his fine was for going to that Halloween party with the teammates through, which is also against the COVID protocols about being inside in gatherings of more than a certain number of people when you're unvaccinated. But it appears that he wasn't fined for any of the other protocols, that the Packers got more fined for that because they didn't do anything about it. Well, Aaron Rodgers knew, knew totally that he wasn't following the protocols. So there's repeated violations, and he gets the minimum fine for the COVID uh, protocol violation. And so, I mean, it's <laughs> and and it's not even the money, like you said. It, it's not even the money. It's I mean, not, Chandler it's, Jones it's, is making. It's 15, the look. Yeah, exactly. It's so tone deaf. I mean, Chandler Jones is getting. He's he's being paid fifteen million dollars plus this year. So a fourteen thousand dollar fine. It's probably the equivalent of someone making fifty grand a year. It's probably the equivalent of twenty five bucks. Yeah. But it's just the look, like you said, how tone deaf it is, and that's why I said, don't they even realize how petty and pathetic this makes them look? It's it's just it's just mind-boggling. Let me take you to last night's ball game. Um, you know, I I I was tweeting this out last night, and and, and I know Howard, it's professional football. You got to play no matter where the game is, what time the game is. But so the Ravens are in an overtime game on Sunday. They travel to South Florida. Humidity's ninety percent. Did you not think they were going to come out maybe and look a little flat? You're in a midway part of the season now, and you know they play against. 
a football team that was energized. They knew they had to win and all this. I'm looking at games differently nowadays than I have in the past. You know what I'm doing more, Howard? I don't know if you're using this metric to gauge what kind of performances teams are at the halfway point. I'm looking at overall body of work now. I'm not going to hold that against the Ravens. I still think the Ravens are one of the best AFC teams. And you know what? I saw Dallas get their faces kicked in by Denver. I saw Tom Brady get his head kicked in last week by the Saints. Hey, this just in, folks. Those dudes on the other side are pretty good, too. You know, I mean, this is the NFL. So is that kind of the metric that you're using? Because this year, it really does look like a potpourri for the teams that will get to New York, uh, Los Angeles to play in the Super Bowl. Is that how you're looking at it? Yeah, it, it definitely is. And 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 the thing with the Thursday, you know, they'll, con- they'll consistently try to claim that, well, we see no evidence that all these Thursday games – uh, have you know, that they have more injuries. Well, it's not the fact of having the injury in that game specifically. It's about the accumulation of of just playing games. And now you add an extra game this year to have 17. It's the accumulate accumulation on guys' bodies and where teams can't even re- – I mean, you ask any player, and I'm sure you, you – I mean, I can just ask you. I mean, most, most everyone will say players are still – on Wednesday – Players are still sore from the game on Sunday. But if you're playing on Thursday, you're playing the next day. And if you're on the road, you have to travel that day when you're just in the period of your initial recovery in a normal week. But here, Howard, let me let me stop you there, Howard. I this happened against the Cardinals. So you know how bad that turf used to be in St. Louis because we played on the baseball. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I hurt my knee on that Sunday. I had an e-scope on Tuesday. I wasn't ready to play until Saturday of that week because I it was just a scope. They cleaned some cartilage out. There were some chips in there. But if I had to play a Thursday game, no you way could I play it on it. There's just no way. And I guarantee you that situation plays out, I would say, on over half the teams in yeah. a week. Fair? Yeah, no, absolutely fair. I remember a situation – with and it's with all injuries certainly, but I, I forget the exact situation. But when Carson Palmer was the quarterback for the Cardinals, and he suffered a concussion on Sunday, and they had a game on Thursday, and he wasn't able to play because he couldn't clear concussion protocol in time. Had they played the following Sunday, he probably would have been able to play. And so that's affecting teams, you know, players' ability to play, which affects games and who's available to play in these games. And so the but it seems like it's so much about money, which we know. I mean, obviously it's, you know, they want to make as much money as they can, but that's what it's all about. And this gold rush that I don't know if Roger Goodell on the on the on the wall of his office has these numbers that say, you know, 15 billion by 2025 or whatever it is, but he's ha- he, he that's been his goal is to yeah. raise the revenue of this league. And that's why the 17th game, why there's so many Thursday games. Well, not so much, but there's a Thursday game every week and the integrity of the game or who's in the, Oh, so be it, you know, whatever it is, uh, players will get over it. And, and the, the biggest charade of all, or the biggest trying to fool people like thinking some of us are just dumb is when they expand the schedule and the, the, the point is made from 345 Park Avenue. Well, 
we cut out a preseason game, so it's still 20 games. So everybody's still playing the same number of games. Well, no, you're not, because starters don't play, for the most part, in the preseason. In the regular season, they do. And so those guys are playing more than – than, than, than they would just because you cut off a preseason game. It's, it's totally, totally different. But they'll put that out there hoping that people, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Well, anybody with half a brain knows it doesn't make sense. Let me go into the Eagles here, and I'm, I want to throw these a couple scenarios in this question here. So, so bear with me here, Howard, on this. So I found this out, that the Philadelphia Eagles are $21 million under the salary cap, and you and me know this, when teams right now are so squeezed to it and over it, the ones that are truly trying to compete are over it. They're this much under the cap. They're going to have 11 draft choices in the upcoming April draft. They've got a quarterback on a second-round contract. I tried to look up Nick Sirianni's salary. I found it. It's $2.5 million. They got two more years on the Doug Peterson contract. You know, Howie Roseman's the best general manager in the NFL, and I'll tell you why. He does a great job at being a capologist, and this is what some of these guys initially were hired to do. Bruce Allen was not a talent evaluator. Bruce Allen was a capologist. Then they morphed into being these GMs. My, I guess where I'm going here is how can you tell your fan base that you're putting a championship team together when you're that far under the cap, you've got that many draft choices, and you've got a guy that has bombed and taking credit for the 2017 season. I mean, you got rid of the coach, you got rid of the quarterback. Where are the Eagles going here, man? I mean, $21 million under the cap is absurd this time of the year. Well, and the other part of it is that's $21 million, including what they have in dead money on the cap for Carson Wentz. And so that, 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 that's, that, that's pretty phenomenal. So, but I, I do think to a degree that teams do go through those evolutions, and at some point they realize, hey, we've got to retool the roster. We'll have the cap space. And, and here's the thing about it, too. Your, your cap space that you have can carry, can carry over to the following year. And so then once you get to that point where you feel, okay, we're, we're pretty competitive now. Now we can spend on whatever player it might be to bring in or to improve, to sign a free agent or, you know, the, the quarterback perhaps that, you know, if, if Jalen hurts turns out to be the guy that they want to build around, then in a, in a year or two, they're going to have to give him a new contract and that's going to be uh, for a lot of money. So I think sometimes that comes into the way they're building the roster and retooling and you don't have a lot of big money guys on your roster now, but at some point you're going to start having to keep those good players and it'll, it'll, it'll start coming back, coming back to you. So teams do go through these, these evolutions at times. It all depends on what happens going forward though. And, you know, the Cardinals, for example, I mean, they're, they're really tight to the cap. They had to restructure a contract just to bring in Zach Ertz, but they're also under Kyler Murray's rookie contract. Well, that's going to change in about a year. And all of a sudden, they're going to be really scrapping for salary cap room when Murray gets a market contract along with that that so many of the other quarterbacks in the NFL have. So you always have to be mindful of it, be mindful of it, and be looking a couple, three years down the road. What do you think the impact OBJ has on the Rams, if any? I, 
I, I can't imagine it's going to be as big as some think it's going to be. And, and I joked, I joked yesterday on Twitter, Dan. I think I it's going to be little. I, I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be much, and it might be little. I mean, they couldn't find a way to get the ball to Deshaun Jackson and the speed he has downfield. And so, you know, OBJ is kind of in the same ballpark as Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And so, how much better does he really make that team? I, I, I question how much it is. They didn't pay much for him, so I guess it was worth a shot. But th- that's what the Rams have. Be- you know, when moving to LA, they realize they've got they've got to be a splash team. You know, it's not not only be good, but you have to have the superstars. You have to have the guys that in the fans' name, that in the fans' minds, oh, that's a good player. Even the guy's not that much anymore, but he's got a name. And that's what the Rams have done ever since they moved. And and I, I joked yesterday on Twitter, only half joked, that it's good to see the Rams, you know, continue to make this commitment to be all in just as they were in the last six years that the owner uh, that when they were in St. Louis with the same owner. And I said, remembering back to the heralded signing of 2011 of Michael Sims Walker at, at, at wide receiver, he was going to be the guy that changes the offense and angry (laughs) St. Louis guy folks, (laughs) because you're right. I'm looking at the same dudes, Les Snead and Kevin Demoff and going, and I said the same thing to a friend of mine yesterday. I went, how come they weren't making these moves in St. Louis? Right. Like they were signing all these guys. Now they're out in Los Angeles here. They're getting Von Miller. They're bringing in. This. I mean, they were doing none of this stuff in St. No. Louis. Exactly. And so they know that they have to be a splash team. They have to be good. They know that uh, to pay, to pay, to pay the price tag that there is on those seats and, and all those things and the luxury suites. And the other, the other thing this year is that the Super Bowl's in SoFi. So they they just think that would be the coolest thing to have the Super Bowl in their home stadium. And but you know, who knows where they'll be in next year and the year after and the year after that. But you know, they they play a short-term game there. Uh, there's no there's no question about it. And they've been doing that ever since they've been there. I mean, heck, right after right after the move is when they trade a bushel of picks to draft Jared Goff. And then they paid him big money and shipped him away. Uh, after that to get Matthew Stafford and they traded for Brandon cooks and then they traded him away. So this this is what they've done throughout their time in, in Los Angeles, which is hard to believe this is the, this is the sixth season uh, that they've been there. Boy, that shows how time flies. No doubt. You know, I'm going to end this with a St. Louis Cardinals question. And I doubt anybody, but you and I know who this player is. Jim Hart ever get any consideration for, I think he was an MVP of the league, maybe 75. He was the MVP of the league. Um, they had some I'm pretty not, good years with Don Coriel and but it's another good Wait, well, You know what? When you start really thinking of Coriel, man, he, Oof. you know, he leaves the Sandy, he leaves San Diego state university where he was a massive success and he goes to St. Louis and he was a damn good success there. And then he goes and he has air Coriel in, San Diego. I mean, yeah. I never thought about that for a second, but I mean, if you're going to look at Dick Vermeil, Don Coriel, wait a minute, maybe not so much Jim Hart. Don Coriel needs to be really considered there for potential Hall of Fame stuff. Uh, well, I'm I'm a little I'm a little flummoxed by the whole Coriel thing because he has been a finalist before they created the separate coach category. I'd have to double check. He's been a finalist of the final 15 when coaches were considered with players five or six times. 
and he was obviously he was never elected. And one of the arguments is, well, his teams didn't get to a Super Bowl and all that. And then the flip side argument was, well, obviously his offenses were unbelievable. He also ushered in a new era in the NFL. And Dan, he also changed defenses. Yeah, he did. Because when he started going that, you know, three and four receivers and spreading the field out, that's when we started seeing all this situation substitution and nickel corners and, and all that and, and, and the adjustments there. So he changed the game. Louis Kelcher used to tell me that, that they would have dime packages and nobody really around the league had those dime packages right. because he'd go over and have the influence on that side of the ball Zampezi was kind of involved with all that too yes. with the offense, and they were yeah, he was they had a really great coaching staff. They, they they definitely did, and and there's still today a lot of team. You know, everyone always talks West Coast offense, West Coast offense, this, that, and the other, and obviously that was you know a, a very successful. But the Coriel offense, which kind of a lot of it came from Sid Gilman and other people, that that offense is is still being played in the NFL, and it was a big part of the Cowboys' success. Uh, when Norv Turner was there as offensive coordinator. And so the, and, and so that would be brought up and some would say, well, it sounds like he's being more, considered more as a contributor than as a head coach. Well, it all, to me, it all comes in together as one. And I, I, I haven't understood why he was this fine and a finalist so many times. And he's now he's kind of been looked over a little bit, but he still has been a finalist in that coach's room. And so I think it's going to happen. You know, I wonder sometimes if when you have other guys like Dick Vermeil, Mike Holmgren, others that were considered Dan Reeves that are still living, that there's that thought, well, let's honor guys while they're still around. Don Coriel passed. And so obviously it'll be important to his family. I think it will happen in due time, but it, it obviously hasn't, hasn't happened yet. But the guy just had tremendous impact on the league. I don't think Jim Hart, was an MVP. He did have tremendous years. In fact, one year he was sacked. Well, actually it wasn't him. The team only allowed eight sacks in one season. The offensive line was tremendous with Dan Deardorff uh, leading it. And the funny thing is Jackie Smith always. Keep talking. I got to show you something. Keep talking. Yeah. Jackie Smith always tells the story of the great tight end from that team. Who's in the hall of fame. He tells a story about one of the sacks that they gave up actually came on a field goal attempt. It was a bad snap. It was a bad snap. Jim Bakken, the kicker, picked it up and tried to pass it, was trying to pass it, and he got sacked. So that was one of the eight sacks they give up. They gave up that entire uh, season. But they had tremendous talent on, on those teams with Mel Gray at wide receiver and Jackie Smith, I mentioned, and Terry Metcalf in the backfield, an incredible offensive line. He, 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 he did an amazing job there. Uh, after being brought in to coach that team. It didn't last that long because he just got upset how they wouldn't draft defense to help him. And and then they made some questionable picks on offense. And and back then, the Heat at least – well, I don't know if other teams did it, but uh, the coaches didn't have an imp- input into the draft. And so he just got real upset, and they he, they finally he finally left and ended up in San Diego. But the guy's definitely Hall of Fame worthy, and I do believe it'll happen one, one of these years for sure. I got a, I got a, a, signed, I got a signed card from Conrad Dobler, and he always <laughs> tells me all the time, he goes, if I ever played against you, I'd bite your 
freaking nose off. <laughs> Don't tell me about today's guys. I kick you right in your nuts, silly and Then that'll bend you over. And then dirt off a runny in it. I'm going like this, dude. These guys were maniacs back in the day. When when Matuzak was alive, he used to go like this. That guy would be at the bottom of the pile. And he oh. would just be gouging you in the eyes, kicking you in the nuts. He was Conrad Dobler and even Dirtoff has told me, he goes, man, I'd look in the pile and go like this, man. I just need to stay as far away or I'm going to get hurt. Hey, man, Howard, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Danny. Take it. Take care. Have a good weekend. You got it. All right. That is our friend Howard Balzer from Sports Illustrated. Yeah, man. I mean, that's just good stuff there. <laughs> and I'm old crusty ass guys, man. They said, hey, back in the day, you know. All right. I didn't tell you guys yet. Because I was kind of leading into it. Here's how I see this game playing out. Eagles ain't winning that game in Denver. 28-20. Denver wins that ball game. I don't think you could beat the hell out of the Cowboys like that and then all of a sudden just go back to being the soft team that you were prior to that Cowboy game. I think that's the kind of football game that it it rejuvenates a team. And it totally rejuvenates a team. And I think that they look like now because and, – and by the way, for the record, if you had to pick a team right now in the AFC, who would you pick as a team right now that you would go like this? Okay. Who would you pick in the AFC to come out of the AFC to represent that conference in the Super Bowl? Who would you pick? Here, let me let me get a pen here. Who would you pick at Buffalo? I wouldn't pick Kansas City. Chargers? No. Who else? Bobby, it, it's it, Eastside says Bills. I look. I think the best team in the AFC is the Bills. Could the Bills beat the Packers? That'd be a good game, wouldn't it? Bills and Packers. Bills. Okay, here. Let's do it. John, let me say this to you about the Titans. I'm sorry, John. I don't believe in the Titans without Derrick Henry. I know they won last week. I know they won. Derrick Henry gets back. That's a different conversation, John. Eastside says Eagles win 24-13 on Sunday. Bills Bucks. Another good game. Bills Rams. Another good game. Bills, AFC West, Raiders, eh. Cleveland, they're five and four. I don't know. Right? Bills, Bobby. So the Bills would represent the AFC today. 
right? The Bills. Could they beat the best team in the AFC in the NFC? Yeah, they could. Yeah, they could. The Colts could get Howie fired. Can you imagine? Hey, I think the Colts, who do the Colts have this week? I think they have a chance to get to five and five on the season. Maybe the Bengals, I don't know. I think they have a shot to go. I, who do the Colts play this week? Can you imagine if the Colts end up getting that football team to five and five on a year? And by the way, you want that to happen. Okay? You want you want the Colts to continue to win because you don't want them in any way whatsoever. Okay? You don't want them in any way. They play the Jags. Thanks, Xander. They play the Jags. They're going to be five and five. They're going to be five and five on the year. The Colts, and you're going to be going, Carson Wentz is five and five. Hey, guys, do me a favor, man. Please hit the like button. Another spectacular week. You guys were really great, man. I want to thank my guest, Tony Bruno and Howard, for coming aboard. Thank you, Bobby. You guys are really spectacular. I can't thank you enough. So don't forget this weekend, too. My boys are going to be doing the post-game show right here on the Jacob Media, talking Eagles and Broncos. That'll be on Sunday. And then we'll have Gary Cobb with us from Fox 29, talking Eagles and Broncos on Monday. Saturday should be pretty good. By the way, it is FSU Miami week. Canes win this game. Get to six and four on the season. Yay, I guess. All right. Have a great one, man. We really love you guys. Thank you so much for coming aboard and being part of the program. We'll catch you Monday going four to six Eastern time, and we'll see you on the flip side. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.